In Cuba, they may not sing it, but they sure dream it. I want to be an American. Or maybe, I want to be a Canadian. Everybody knows here that money doesn't grow on trees, and yet there's still that dream of having more than you have. For more than a year, it's been hard living in Cuba. 250,000 have managed to flee. A lot for a country of 11 and a half million. And some of those who have left are badly needed pastors. Even before COVID hit and shut down the business of tourism, fuel was in short supply with neighboring Venezuela having problems. But then the food started running short. This week, I've been blessed with black beans and rice. Last fall, I never saw this staple of beans. This time, teaching Philippians to pastors at a resort, only one night without power, one day without water, but together we found joy in the Lord. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus, and we're broadcasting outdoors from Havana. The end of last week. Just before Easter, we led a conference with 50 pastors and spouses. We led them through the great themes of a great book, the small book of four chapters, Philippians, God's Word, where joy and rejoice show up 14 times, more than any other book in all the Bible. But even more, we studied the 37 times that the phrase en Christo in Greek, in Christ in English, shows up in Paul's letter. Certainly more times than any other book in all the Bible. Joining me right now, again from Havana, is our new Spanish director and broadcaster who I introduced to you yesterday, Pastor Danny Rojas. Well, Danny, welcome back to the program again today with me. Thank you, Charles. Well, together, you're going to be with me. We're sharing together. We're going to talk a little bit more later about the significance of the book of Philippians. Especially, we'll talk a little bit about Philippians 1. And how it applies to churches in Cuba, but how it applies to all Christians everywhere and anywhere. We're also going to hear a story from a pastor that we mentioned yesterday, a pastor named Jesus in Havana. He'll tell how his church has grown to over 300 and how it's in a part of the city that's dark, very influenced by Satan. And they were allowed to cut down a tree to build their church in the name of Jesus. Now, as we're beginning to get the program started, I want to invite you to become a partner with us in our Spanish broadcast, El Faro de Redención. You can be a part of what the Lord is doing right now for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the greatest revival in the Western Hemisphere. Would you pray about helping us when the program is concluded? El Faro de Redención needs to raise $65,000 to keep sharing the hope of Christ for just the next two months. And it's not cheap to reach Cuba. The radio tower we use to reach the largest Caribbean island takes a lot of electricity to broadcast our program. It's 500,000 watts. We've called it a blowtorch before because it is. So whatever you can send... Maybe it's $50, maybe it's 100 maybe it's 5000 maybe it's $10,000, like somebody recently did. You can help us reach the 11.5 million people in Cuba with this good news of Jesus. Your gift will have an eternal impact. But you need to pray about it. Please pray first. 
Ask the Lord how much he wants you to send, but then get in touch with us. Go to haventoday.org, haventoday.org, or call us at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN. And now let's open this program with somebody we've had on the program, and I haven't seen him for a long time, but it's a wonderful song by Brenton Brown. Over all the earth, you reign on high, every mountain stream, every sunset sky, but my one request, Lord, my only aim, is that you'd scholar who met Jesus and Lord reign in me opening this haven today a program called gospel winds in Cuba well we're coming from Havana we're broadcasting outdoors you're hearing the noise and the sounds we're feeling a Lenten breeze that usually ends right after Easter just before the rainy season begins and you're with us on a program called gospel winds in Cuba I think first Danny Rojas 
We're going to talk about some of these great themes found in the beginning of Philippians, a book that now you've read, I've read more than a hundred times. We've studied the Greek, we've looked at the great themes, but I think first it would be great to hear a story from here. Let's hear this story with translation from a pastor whose name is Jesus, Jesus. And he talks about how that church, a praying church, defeated Satan and how Santeria was put to bed. So let's listen to that right now. And you'll be doing the translating from the Spanish, of course. Are you seeing people leave Santeria and meeting Jesus? Of course, yes. Ahora mismo tenemos un, un señor de aproximadamente unos 50 años. Right now we have a gentleman who's about 50 years old. Él hizo, o sea, encontró en la iglesia. But he eh, did find in the church. En los hermanos, en todo esa, ese, ese calor familiar, o sea, that, que para él es una familia. The warm family uh, that he needed. Y le hemos estado acogiendo, le hemos estado ayudando. We've been taking him in, we've been helping him out, giving him counseling. Este, este señor tenía muchos collares, o sea, tenía pacto con todo esto de brujería, santería. So, this gentleman had all of the chains, all of the, the, uh, the, or, the ornamentation that, that actually represents covenants or packs that they make within santería. Él decidió botar todas sus su cosas. And he's decided to remove all of them and throw them out. Tenía muchas cosas, de hecho. He had many, many um, of those covenants made. Entonces, a partir de ese momento... So, um, starting from that moment on, él también trajo su familia. He's also began, uh, started to bring his family. Tiene una niña, una de las, de las hijas de él de 14 años. One of his daughters is 14 years old. Todavía, o sea, se siente... So, with uh, the 14-year-old daughter that she's been bringing, um, we, we found out that she actually had some kind of direct pact or direct... Um, covenant made with Satan. That's the language that, that, that was used in describing it. El domingo este, ella fue a la iglesia. But she came to church this Sunday. Hay una tendencia en ella. And there's this tendency within ella her. Ella quiere buscar a Dios. Where she wants to seek the Lord. La, o sea, ella se siente bien. In other words, she feels good there at church. Su papá, que es la persona que te estaba diciendo. And her father, you know, is the one that I've been telling you about. La ha traído a la iglesia. Brought her to church. Y él ha visto But que, as she's in church, Even though she's happy to be there and she wants to be there, we see during the worship the spiritual attacks begin to happen. And this Sunday it was going on through the whole service. The whole time experiencing the spiritual attacks. And at the end of the service, she received like a deliverance, a peace. Su papá estaba muy contento. And her father, of course, was overwhelmed and happy. Y bueno, otra señora que es menos testimonio corto. I have a quick testimony from another lady. Esta, esta es una, una persona que ha sido grande, poderoso. Esta persona se convirtió hace un mes y medio. Uh, this is a person who came to faith in Christ about a month and a half ago. Una mujer que estaba presa. A woman who had been uh, jailed de, de, or in prison. De mucha influencia en el barrio. But with great influence in the neighborhood. Y... Y se oró por ella. And we prayed for her. Se le manifestaron todo, o sea, una legión de demonios lo que tenía. It seemed as if a whole legion of demons manifested when we prayed for her. Ella fue libre. And she was delivered. Y está muy agradecida con Dios. She's very thankful to God. 
ha dado un cambio increíble. Pero el cambio de ella no se queda, digamos, en lo personal. Su agradecimiento her gratitude. ha hecho que ella vaya a los lugares porque es una persona de mucha influencia y mucha gente la conoce. La Santería that she was a part of. Lo curioso de todo es que ha traído a toda su familia. But she's brought her whole family. Y toda su familia ha aceptado a Cristo. And the whole family has trusted in Christ. Pero no eso, es que ha traído <laughs> a más de 15 o yo, yo creo que son llegan hasta 20 personas a la iglesia. Y se convierten en cada culto. And at every service Much, they get saved. Yo creo que no, 20 no muchas más personas que ella trae constantemente todo. Maybe more than 20. I mean, she's constantly bringing people. Entonces, la iglesia. So the church. Ahora mismo. Right now. Como quizás la mujer samaritana. Maybe kind of like the Samaritan woman. Ella fue. She went. Y ha dicho, mira, mira lo que ha hecho Cristo. Look what the Lord has done. Y entonces eh, ella todavía tiene sus cosas y su imprudencia. You know, she still has pero, things, pero está tan agradecida so que nosotros eso no lo estamos valorando como bien, sino. Yeah. We're, we're really valuing this. Nunca habíamos visto We've never seen anything like it. Una persona que ha traído tantas personas a la iglesia. Creo que le dije 20. So many people to Christ. hemos tenido que abrir otro discipulado de las tantas personas. We were doing discipleship with about 15 people and we've had to like open up a second discipleship. Casi 40 hermanos discipulándose. Because we're discipling now about 40 brothers. We're over 300 now. Wow. pastor named Jesus, and he's pastoring a church in one of the darkest areas of Havana. Danny Rojas with me, our new Spanish director and speaker on El Faro de Redención. We're going to talk a little bit about Philippians 1, but first you told me yesterday your parents were from Cuba. You live in Miami now, and you're second generation Cuban. Yes. But your parents were believers too. How did they meet Well, my parents, Charles, were actually the first believers in their homes. And they lived in different towns in Cuba, in the eastern part of Cuba called Oriente. That means east. My dad came to faith in Christ through a pastor that came and shared the gospel with him. My mom through a vacation Bible school that was put on in her little uh, town in Cuba. But as they became teenagers and then older teenagers, they both felt the call to prepare for ministry. So they both happened to go to the same seminary called Los Pinos Nuevos. That means the New Pines. And that's a, an evangelical seminary in Oliver, Cuba where men and women were not allowed to talk to each other, Charles. This was old days, pre-revolution. Yes. Uh, I get yes, the picture yes, in yes. my mind. They probably weren't allowed to dance either, even holy dancing. Oh, no. No kind of dancing. <laughs> no, they couldn't, they couldn't even look at each other. I mean, it was frowned upon. But my mom and dad happened to ride back to their part of the country on a bus, the same bus. And I think my dad had, his, had set his eyes on my mother, so he sat next to her all the way back, and they would talk, talk about what they were learning, talking about, about school and sharing stories. And after their second bus ride together, my dad said, hey, you know, you and I, we get along really well. We should get married. And my mom said, are you crazy? We just met. And my dad said, well, I think it would work. And it's been 62 years. Wow. Yeah, so wow. They, they got married in, in 1960, at the end of 1960, and probably the very next year, one of my dad's professors invited him over 
to Costa Rica to help them with uh, some translation, some, some work that they were doing that would be of benefit to the Cuban people. So my dad and mom went over, intending to stay there for about three months. But while they were there, they received a letter from my grandmother on my mom's side saying, maybe you ought to stay away. Things are getting rough here in Cuba. And so they didn't go back. And it was one of those things that, that was painful for them. My parents didn't get to see their, their parents alive except for my mom who got to see her dad before his death, maybe 20 years later. It was a long time of separation. And then your dad went on to Latin American missions uh, well, as a publishing director then, yes? That's right, and that's, I think that's the, the interesting thing in all of this. So my dad went over to the United States with my mom, and they started working for a company called Logoy, which was uh, producing Christian literature in Spanish. But then he was called as the first director of Latin American mission publications. And my dad became a pioneer in Christian Spanish evangelical publishing. And that's your heritage that you bring to us today, and I'm so grateful for that. Well, we just finished a few days ago, uh, just before Easter, this conference with 50 pastors. And when you get to Philippians 1, if you just read it through like we had all the pastors get together and they read it through all four chapters, it's only 104 verses. You immediately notice that Paul talks about suffering, suffering for Christ. This is something every single one of those pastors, most in the hurricane last fall, had lost their homes, had lost their churches, and yet there were still smiles on their face because they were rejoicing in the gospel. And Paul talked about that, being in chains for the sake of the gospel in chapter one, didn't he? And, you know, he talks about his chains, but I don't know, Daddy, it just always gets me because there's so many classic verses that we've, both of us have preached from and we've read in our Christian lives. Many of our listeners have as well. And he just keeps coming up with these emphatic things like, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And if I go on living in the body, this will mean uh, this will mean truthful labor for me. And yet, what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's better and more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you to see your progress and to see your joy in the faith. Wow, that gets to you, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Well, and and I just ended with the word joy there. And of course, I, I mentioned as we opened the program that joy or rejoice in only a little four chapter book of 104 verses appears more times here than in the verb and the noun in Greek than any other book in all the Bible. It's what Christians are to be about. We're to have joy. That's right. And, and not manufactured joy. No, we can put it on or whip it up. Yeah, yeah. No. You know, we right. can try to do that, but that's not what he's talking about. It's the, that joy that comes from resting in Christ. And there you said it right there. There are those 37 times in the book, more than any other book in all the Bible, that in Christo, in Christ. I don't know exactly what that is in Spanish. You were translating for me, but it's close, isn't it? It's exactly the same. Is it? In Christ. I'm learning Spanish after all today. That's right. Oh, my goodness. How do we find this joy in the Lord? How do we rejoice? How do we grow in our faith? How do we find more of Christ in us? It's this idea of getting on our knees, 
being in Christ. And Christ, through his spirit, will give us the joy that we need to carry on. And even though it's better to die and be with Jesus, it's still better to live the life he's given us where he's given us to live it and just serve him, whether it's Cuba or whether it's Dubuque, Iowa, or wherever it is. Even Miami. Even well, I don't know if I would go that far, Danny, but uh, no, we have listeners in South Florida that are chuckling as they hear us talk right now. You are so right there. What's your takeaway from Philippians after studying it and the two of us together teaching it for two days to these 50 pastors and spouses? Charles, I think that the biggest takeaway from me from Philippians is this idea of resting in Christ. It's as we present our requests before him, as we, as we choose not to be anxious about anything, as it says in chapter 4, but in everything, by prayer and petition mm-hmm. and with thanksgiving, present our requests before God. It tells us the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that is a prayer to close on. Haven today, gospel winds in Cuba. Sublime del Señor que a un infeliz salvó fui ciego más hoy veo yo perdido y Él me halló
In Spanish, that's the musical group Blessed with Sublime Gracia, sons of a Baptist pastor in Miami of Cuban descent. But then, of course, hearing Amazing Grace, my chains are gone. Here on this program, I need to make something clear. We're sharing the gospel to the greatest revival in the Western Hemisphere, and we're able to do it thanks to you. But we're in need right now. We're behind in our budget. We need to raise some more money. The end of the year is coming, and the ongoing needs of the gospel are great. But we can do it. We've done it for five years. We're five years old broadcasting into Cuba. And we've done many other things like teaching pastors, like bringing in Bibles, like doing eyeglasses evangelism. And we've worked with many other ministries to do that. But can you help support El Fado today? I don't know what you can send. I don't know what the Lord will place on your heart. I only ask that you pray about what he would have you do and then respond. And you can respond by sending us whatever, $100 or, or $500, or we've even had somebody send $10,000 recently, and people have sent more in the past. Can you help us reach these people for Jesus and make an eternal impact? Just go to our website, haventoday.org, haventoday.org. Or if you prefer calling a toll-free number, it's 800 65 Haven, 865 Haven. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me with Danny Rojas coming to you from Havana. Outdoors, in fact. Would you come back and join us again tomorrow? When again together, we'll share this great resurrection story of Jesus Christ here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. I love watching a good movie, especially one that keeps you guessing till the very end. Well, every now and then, there is a movie that hints that the climatic moment at the very beginning, and when you finally get to the climax, then you say to yourself, it all makes sense now. About a thousand years before Christ's resurrection, we add a hint to the resurrection. It's found in Psalm 16, where King David wrote, Nor will you let your Holy One see decay. This line may have been perplexing to Israel back then, but now we can read it and think of the resurrection and say to ourselves, it all makes sense now. It was a prophecy. The resurrection was a part of God's plan from the very beginning. You'll see Jesus more clearly through time in God's Word. Visit GetAnchor.com.